When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast and thanks for listening and downloading to the Glenn McGraw podcast and yeah, he's, I, I don't know really how we managed to get him as a guest, he's an absolute legend isn't he? He was brilliant, well done producer Chuck for that. Uh, Chris, great to chat to the great man wasn't it? The great Glenn McGraw. Um, it was, yeah, it was. He, he was fantastic wasn't he? We've obviously had some very intense rivalries on and off the field with him over the years with the Barmy Army but he's a smashing bloke and I think anyone you speak to everyone in the Barmy Army loves him I loved to hate him back in the day um, but loves him now for all the work he's done for the McGrath Foundation but but just for the for the wider game of cricket as well and how you can how you can make such a powerful day um, something to do with test cricket the beautiful game so it was a pleasure to speak to him and, and great to see that he's um, he's taking it from strength to strength and also He's been great to listen to, hasn't he, on, on BT as well. Mm, he always is. He knows a lot about the game, doesn't he? He's, he's a bit of an Aussie goat, really, isn't he, in terms of fast bowling. Mm. Um, but we did speak to him ahead of that Sydney Test match, which obviously was the pink test and, and had the Jay McGrath day where all the players donned pink. It looked fantastic, as always. Of course it did, and uh, loads of money raised. Um, got to say, there was in the bashers, um, which is the sort of mini thing that we do between... Um, the Barmy Army and also the what's what's the Aussie fan group called the Richies the Richies, the Richies that's it Richies, yeah 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 and um, they that was like a, a series don't they a series of matches we um, do yeah five, and, five T20s across each state and and it's mega isn't it like loads of people turn out it's like a really big event I've never actually been to one because I've never been to Australia for the Ashes but I always look in envy on the social channels and it looks brilliant it looks so so good but that's raised um eleven thousand dollars for the ruth strauss foundation and the mcgrath foundation fantastic um, and also that pink test did raise a record five million aussie dollars so wow. so when glenn was on about that to us saying oh we're setting a target for this wow can't knock that can't knock that and thanks to everybody who bought those virtual seats as well because that was a really clever little initiative and um yeah, it was brilliant. Really, really good. So that well done to everybody concerned in that. And also well done to everybody concerned who represented the Barmy Army in the Bashers, Chris. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. We've um we've got something to cheer, Greggy, haven't we? We've got a three two win overseas in Australia. Not many times you can say that, but we've managed to retain the Bashers, which is wonderful news for every English Barmy out there listening mm. to this podcast. It was a good. Um, it was a good week anyway for the England lads because they needed to bounce back. And all right, it wasn't a win, but it was like proper, 
Test cricket, Johnny with that amazing hundred as well, like celebrating like mad, copping a load of abuse off the Aussie supporters as well as he was walking off at lunch at 74 for four with Stokesy. Great hundred, great save test match. I mean, this, the, those scenes, I know it was like heart and mouth type thing, wasn't it? Towards the end of the test match on that final day, those final overs. But got to love it when you've got just... 11 men round the bat and you've got Jimmy Anderson there just trying to nerdle it out and I love that absolutely love that was it was there a quote from uh, that other podcast yeah. that other small time cricket podcast tail enders where Jimmy said the broad who was trying to give him a little bit of a little bit of stick um, and, and saying oh yeah well he just no he's giving him advice wasn't out. he yeah advice he said I don't really need don't really need this mate I've done this before, before. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that it was great to watch really good to watch and actually I just think 3-1 would be, um, you know, it's obviously not what we went out there for, but it'd, it'd restore a lot of pride, which Joe did speak about after that third test. So Yeah, I think they've also, that test has probably given them the, imagine how low the confidence was, just being mm. rolled by Australia on the bounce. And then to go out there and to show, bloody hell, yeah, we, we can stand up to these and we can show a bit of fight. Obviously, Johnny's runs were incredibly important, but I hope that gives the rest of the batting group confidence to go on and, and do a, do something special in Hobart. It's a day-nighter. We've never played there before. There's no Ashes test ever there before. It's, it's, a, it's an unknown. Let's, let's see what it's like. I tell you what, it's going to be a damn sight better than Perth. That's all I know for, um, for our, our chances in, in getting the result. Yeah, and um, it looks a smashing ground, actually, that Hobart, doesn't it? It looks really good. And yeah. also, just for the viewers and listeners of the Ashes 4 a.m. start Friday morning is when it's. I've, I've just learned that to be fair. Cheers, Chuck, for telling me. <laughs> but yeah, that is when it starts. BT coverage. And talking of the BT coverage, that is our guest today. Not all of the BT lot because that would be quite the scoop, wouldn't it? But yeah, we've managed to get Matt Smith, who's been anchoring the coverage all the way through the night, all the way through this test series. He's a smashing guy, smashing presenter. Chris, you, Chris, you met him out in Australia last time around four or five years ago, didn't you? Yeah, and, um, he's a really, really good guy. And by his own admission, you know, he admits it in the podcast with us. Cricket's not his number one sport. Of course it's not. You know, this guy's a professional sports presenter, but he does um, he does a smashing job, doesn't he? And we, he also ask, we also ask him a little bit about Cookie and Moeen, which has been a topic of conversation amongst the cricketing fraternity on social mm. media. For the conversation length, which is, which is a, a fairly short pod for our standard, podcast but we covered a lot didn't we we covered the we covered the football coverage we covered the cricket coverage we covered how to cover cricket coverage we even covered a massive supermarket chain which i'm sure you'll hear about in a moment <laughs> that is right that is right and um, also one of the downsides to the final test match is that joss butler has flown home he's broken his finger if you saw any of the coverage you would have seen them playing the replay after replay of that and I was wincing every single time I saw that do you want to know something funny about that I got a I got a text off my mate who was I, I for the for the listeners I keep wicket very badly for my Saturday team the first team captain of the club was actually out at the time I think he was watching the game he was fairly drunk but I think he'd been out and got back and decided to watch the game I got three texts off him one saying Millard Hope you're well, mate. Just want to let you know, saw Josh Butler get hit on the hand. Thought of you. How's the hand? <laughs> <laughs> so I think a wicket-keeping injury has gone through his drunken state at silly o'clock in the morning. Thought, oh, I better text Millard to see if hand's all right. Class. Class. Love that. Well, there you go. 
It's uh, it's sad that he's flying home early. Um, maybe maybe he's flying back to don some Charles Tirrett clobber. That was a very poor segue. In fact, everybody on the uh, on the Zoom call all put their heads in their hands. Charles Tirrett. You may remember if you're an avid listener of this podcast, it is the um, clothing company that I said that I should definitely be tabbing up because they make men look really, really good uh, with their cool clothing. I'm um, even taller though. And uh, thanks, thanks, mate. Wow, <laughs> thanks very much. It, look, if I'm, I'm just saying, if it's good enough for Joss, it's good enough for us. It's, Absolutely. It's, you know, he's a he's a very smart looking man. Go on their Instagram, Charles Tirrett. It's also, I don't think I made it clear enough last time, spelling it is T-Y-R-W-H-I-T-T, Charles Tirrett. There we go. Um, and it's got a beaut collection um, of all the men's wear on sale now, by the way. Boxing Day sales, if you like. 16th of January, extra 10% off with the sale code BARMY10. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, beautifully done. Uh, right, enough from us. We'll be back with another podcast before the end of this Ashes series. This Ashes series. Um, it's obviously catching up with me. And uh, before we, we, we're going to get a proper broadcaster in now, it's Matt Smith here on the Shackles Rock podcast. We were just talking off edge a minute ago, weren't we, about your sleep pattern. Mm. So were you meant to be out in Australia or, you know, COVID permitting, basically? And then basically now you've been stuck in a studio in London and now up through the night and you don't know what on earth's going on. Do you have any tips for that? Because there's lots of viewers who've probably been trying it with beer and cake and all that. And they've fallen foul, basically. Yeah, um, there isn't, I don't think there's a kind of uh, hard and fast successful formula <laughs> that I've found anyway. I think everybody gets lulled into, I've done night shifts before um, many years ago, and everyone gets lulled into the idea that if you eat a lot of rubbish, that'll give you the energy to see you through. And of course, it doesn't really work, but it doesn't stop you from trying and trying <laughs> really hard. So you end up putting on quite a lot of, of weight and feeling fairly... Um, bad about yourself mm. uh, which isn't a great help when you're trying to cheer up the nation um the cricket loving nation sitting through what's been a, a tough few weeks but um yeah actually the truth is obviously you know you're supposed to look after yourself but you know none of us actually do that so um yeah and, and of course having crickets alongside me doesn't help they are <laughs> terrible sweet eaters horrendous sweet. They, honestly I've, I've, I've rarely seen less athletic individuals <laughs> Have you um have you managed to sneak in any shut eye on the sofa in the green room or is it thoroughly professional on the job? No, well we we, we haven't because the nature of obviously as you, you you guys know the nature of having the the coast commentary for the first two tests meant that we were on our tiptoes all the time because we're, you're working around the the feed that they give you which isn't perfect. Um, uh, there's issues with ad breaks, issues with sometimes. Yeah cutting away to things that we can't see but can hear all sorts of technical hassle that I won't bore you with here but so you can't you can't leave it alone for a second obviously we've had weather issues as we did four years ago when I was out there we had rain yeah. every test four years ago bizarrely in an Aussie yeah. summer in Perth and we've had a bit 
similar here, haven't mm. we? We've had kind of, you know, even if it's only been slight, but but there's been issues around each test match with the weather. So, um, yeah, you can't leave it alone. That said, one of my, in fact, my most regular guest is prone to a, a, a relaxed few minutes. Sir Alistair is, is, is there's no greater catnapper that I've met than, um, than Sir Alistair. But he, he seems to be asleep and yet still, still seems to be able to sit up and talk about what's just happened. So it's a hell of a skill. <laughs> He's a cruisy bloke, isn't he? I mean, how much have you enjoyed their company? Because the coverage has been great. We're not just saying that, actually. Considering the challenges you've faced, where you've just basically just had to take the feed for the first couple of tests, like you say, mm. and it was, you know, a little bit sort of Bob Todd, wasn't it? In the first, you know, that's no fault of BTs, by the way. It was, it was a lot of it. I mean, in that first test match, Chris, we were having that overnight party, and there was the one camera feed. Yeah, and that seems a distant lifetime ago now, but it was down at fine was, leg. <laughs> no, that was that was our that was our only camera that we actually yeah had uh, or were allowed really that was supposed to be for the for the hits with you know Glenn McGraw or Mel Farrell or whatever and that was the only camera that had a feed out of the ground because they lost all power Fox which they had in fairness they'd raised with Cricket Australia and there's a particular issue at the Gabba mm. uh, it doesn't run the whole coverage doesn't run on mains power it only runs on a generator uh, because I think they're doing major reconstruction wow. of the stadium for the Commonwealth Games in 11 years or whenever it is. Um, mm. And until then, they can't have mains power servicing the actual coverage, which is, you know, a, a bit weird. But but <laughs> when, the, when the generator went down, that was it. For half an hour, the world just lost the ashes, which was pretty crap. Um, and yeah, we had this one camera, which was really weird, really weird. And we were sat there, we were trying to commentate, which is, you know, not, not great from 9,000 miles away. Um, so, no, the lads have been great, to be honest. Obviously, I, I come periodically to cricket as a bit of an interloper. I, I wouldn't try and hide that fact. It's not something I, you know, I'm able to cover um, week in, week out. So I'm always slightly playing catch up uh, as much as I try to keep abreast of it all. It's, it's not, you know, if you're not working on it every week, you don't have that residual kind of reservoir of detailed knowledge. So I'm leaning on the cricketers very much for for insight and, and, uh, and detail. And of course, they that's what they do. Um, but they're also, some of them at least, not kind of veteran broadcasters. So we're all a little bit, you know, feeling our way. But in that, in that regard, there's pros and cons, I think, to that, because uh, the conversation can be quite fresh. Can be, you know, we're not all stuck in our little kind of routines or ruts that you probably get into if you cover a sport all the time. Uh, and that's, that's no slight on other broadcasters or indeed our own coverage of sports that we cover week in, week out, like football. But uh, it, it's a challenge, but I think one we've we've tried to bring some humour and, and uh, some lightheartedness and, and obviously some insight to as much as you can from such a, a long way away. It's helped definitely that we've had now our own people like Lord Gower and and, um, and Mel and, and Glenn when possible with COVID situations um, permitting. When we've had them on the ground, it gives you eyes and ears close to the action. It definitely helps. Yeah, it's been really good. Honestly, it's not shown with all the challenges and stuff. It's been really good, and hopefully the viewers have been patient with you talking of viewers you have the super fans we've had several members of the barmy army actually yeah. being and that adds a different dimension doesn't it to, to the coverage and i've really quite enjoyed that we've had adam from from the barmy army we've had our producer chuck as well who's, who's yeah. featured um it is you know, he's giving us a wave on the zoom call look yeah yeah <laughs> turn that camera back Good off you've had chuck. enough, you've had enough air time now famous <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's that's added a different dimension to it and i yeah. suppose that's you can actually tell that the that the lads you've had on the sofa like cookie and and um and harmy and moeen as well they've actually quite enjoyed that interaction because they might not necessarily get that instant kind of feedback off mm. supporters during a during a test match ordinarily so that's been a different dimension hasn't it Definitely. I think they enjoy the fact they don't have to speak for a couple of minutes and leave me <laughs> doing all the work. Um, but no, it's been good. I think it was it was producer uh, Lucy's idea to kind of try and create and that kind of instant goggle box was, was the kind of idea behind it. And obviously because we are not in Australia and obviously all the viewers, including obviously a, a chunk of, of the Barmy Army itself, couldn't make the trip. The idea was to try and get that instant feedback from the sofas of the UK. So I think in that in that regard... It's it's been good. I mean, obviously, when the results are as bad as they've been, it, it could become a bit of a misery fest. You know, mm. asking pe- poor people who are trying to stay awake, often on their own at three or four in the morning, what they've made of another disastrous session <laughs> um, can can become a little bit, yeah, a bit um, like kind of students navel gazing and getting ever more <laughs> about the lack of money for beer. But um, no, I think it's been. It's given a bit of added value. It gives, it gives us just a, a quick sense of where the cricket watching public are at. And that, that, I think that's valuable. You know, I think we all uh, now live in an era where we're used to instant reaction, aren't we, all the mm. time with social media or however the TV companies work and, and so on. So it's, it's in our kind of um, appetite now to want to know what other people think straight away and have a bit of a sounding board. And, and it's been good like that. And I think the folks that have come on have been been really game considering as i say they're, they're up in the middle of the night it's been yeah. a tough tough grind for some of them hasn't it on some of the days but i think chuck fell quite lucky with the test that he got but he did he did indeed matt just on the um i know we we spoke a long time ago when you were last on the ashes tour in australia and you were you were quite honest and you were you loved cricket and you were a fan of it but you were fairly new to it in a in the capacity you were in have have you how have you found it in comparison to football? Have you enjoyed it? Is it more fun to commentate on? Is it more fun to present on, or is it a lot different? What what are the challenges in cricket that you might not get in football? It is different for sure. Yeah, um, it, it obviously it's a game of uh, massive amount of statistics and information. Mm. So that is there's a lot to get your head around. Um, and as I say, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly honest enough to say that it's not it's not something that I can do all the time because obviously the rights don't allow me to do that mm. kind of for the rest of the year. So to you kind of jump in and jump out, and that that has its challenges for sure. And I think any broadcaster would would admit that. Um, so a lot of information, uh, long format, obviously in terms of Test cricket, doing a T20 or even an, an ODI as we have done uh, is dare I say more straightforward because the cricket is crash bang wallop, uh, generally speaking, certainly in T20. And and the story can be told in a relatively short time. Whereas tests, obviously, particularly one where you're thousands of miles away, um, there's a lot of space to fill and, and have a conversation around. Um, and that you're only as good then as your guests, really. you know. And the guests have been really good. And we've tried to obviously rotate them to give fresh voices and fresh uh, approaches uh, I think that's worked. I think we've had we've tried to balance obviously bowlers and, and batters. We've had Matt Pryor as wicketkeeper as well. Uh, we've got Mark Butcher coming in for the fifth test. We've tried very much, and now we've got our own commentators as well. I think I'd like to think that the voices, the kind of uh, plethora of voices, have created you know the conversation that, that people have got used yeah. to around around their coverage of cricket. Um, mm. So yeah, it's never easy jumping in. It's never easy being a long way from the game, but. Um, Compared to football, yeah, obviously football, for instance, you, you 
can have up to an hour's build-up, and we do that with the cricket. So you, I'm used to that. I'm used to a pre-match conversation. Obviously, half-time in, in a football match is a very quick summing up of what's happened, particularly on a commercial channel with ads. And then at the end, you'll even for a final of a big competition, you might you might get an hour. So, but at yeah. the end of a test, like obviously on on Sunday morning, where it's gone to the wire, we do as long as we can, really, you know, and, and mm. suck up all of the reaction and the chat and and the kind of sense of oh my god, what's just what's just happened, you know, you you, you drain it for for everything that it's worth, really. So yeah. it, it's it, yeah, it's hard work. I, I, I'd be the first to say it's hard work. I'm knackered at the end, and obviously mm. that's part of the time of day. But but there's a lot. There's a lot to get my head round and. Um, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed being, you know, challenged and put on my my toes. The, the only thing is, you feel like you're getting the hang of it, and and you you we're up to the last test match, but we've got the West Indies as well, so we've got we've got plenty to look forward to. Well, that's good. You know what? That's that's really good. One thing that I really dying to ask, right? And there'll be a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. You know, you know what I'm going to ask, Matt, and I love it, and I love the fact that you're preempting this question, right? So. We're watching. If you've not seen any of the coverage, or you weren't watching at these particular moments, you might be unaware of this. So, Sir Alistair Cook, we love him. We've had him on the podcast, yeah. and he's a great. Obviously, I mean, a great of the game. Moen Ali, massive, massive favourite of the Barmy Army. We absolutely love Moen Ali. Those two on the sofa together, they had a bit of beef, like a little bit of sort of. They're like locking horns, but not just like once, like a few times, and then. You know, you actually, to be fair, because they were trying to sort of get out of it and back to you, and you were going, hang on, what's that? And you kind yeah. of brought it back. And I love that because not many presenters would have done that. But it was it was like totally bizarre. So a lot of people watching mm. um, and listening to this podcast will want to know, was that legitimate? And then the second follow-up question to that, I suppose, is what what was it like when you then cut back to the action? Were they were they having fisticuffs? Were they being were you in the middle as like some kind of mediator? What was going on? I can't imagine that that actually being true. But no, yeah, come on, fill us in. Okay, so the truth is that they get on like a house on fire. They are really really good mates, and I don't think it probably comes as a shock to people who, who who know their cricket. So it's been a very much a false war. That said, I think they both tried to be honest. I think I think um, Mo when he said, "Look, you know, Joe's a more arm around the shoulder captain." But, you, but I never got dropped by Cookie. So I think he was just trying to be honest. I and mean, then Cookie was like slightly, I think, very much tongue-in-cheek, but slightly like, oh, so I'm not empathetic. And, and so it kind of became this <laughs> kind of phony war. But it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable because it, I think teammates often, uh, uh, understandably, but totally reluctant to ever say anything remotely insightful or honest about each other. You know, it's all mm. platitudes and is it right, bloke? And of course, these two are genuinely, I wouldn't say otherwise, they genuinely are mates. But it was great. It was refreshing, I think, that they were prepared to slightly take a chip out of each other and be honest about about each other. So I think they were amused that it had been turned into, I think partly because no one else had much to, to talk about because the cricket was so rubbish. Um that, that that it became a story, you know. That that, that they, the newspapers were picking up this idea of of a feud in the studio. Uh, so they were dreaming up new ways to kind of take chunks out of each other in the next in the next uh, session or the next show, or the next day or whatever. But but hand on heart, they are they are good buddies. They they really are. Um, uh, but it was all the more fun to see him uh, have a little nibble at each other. Oh, I was exactly, just... I say, I was I was dead keen to join in and and, and <laughs> yeah, but meant it. 
at those BT studios, you've got all the boxing rings and all that kind of stuff. I wondered if you were going to wheel one of those in at some stage. Well, you know? Cookie was talking about going into Westfield, which is the big shopping centre next to BT, and finding some boxing gloves. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't get our hands on on a pair in time. But that, yeah, that was the next that was the next thought. <laughs> it was great. It was brilliant to watch that. And you know, purely from a presenting perspective as well, you must go hello. Brilliant, rubbing your rubbing your hands together a little bit when you've got two yeah. greats of the game pundits kind of going after each other a little bit. It's it's not really what you expect, it's particularly in cricket. You might expect it if you're doing you know when you're doing the national league coverage, for example, Matt. Right? Yeah. You might expect a two people who've got a bit of beef with each other, and you know, from one team or another. You know, you stick them together, and ooh, we didn't know that you two didn't like each other. But yeah, that, it's not what you expect, is it? Well, no, although he obviously does, I think, the touring part of cricket. Uh, obviously, it's been talked about a lot more in recent years, hasn't it? How it can send some of them, you know, slightly do lally. And, and I get it. I, I think the, the, the time away from home, the, the length of a tour, the bubble, I think, life, which I think is mm-hmm. far harder than most people would probably appreciate. Although we've all obviously had our hardships in the last 18 months, two years. I do understand that. And, and, uh, Sometimes it can appear like sports people are mollycoddled and, and only, only moan about their privileged lives. And I'm sure they wouldn't want that to be the image. But I think it's been tough. So um, I think um, I think it's it, it's understandable if if teammates don't always want to share the same space 24 hours a day. I think mm-hmm. any people would probably need a bit of sense of space, and they don't always get it, you know. So it's hard to expect a squad of with support staff, maybe 40, 50 plus people to all be, you know, cheek by jowl and all be super close. I think one of the things around the whole kind of cricket in the gutter conversation the last few months has been the nature of cricketers, obviously, to seek out people who are a bit like them. For the, and, then, and then is that natural? Is that acceptable? Is that cliquey? Does that cause division and unrest in dressing rooms? It's a natural and important conversation to have. Mm. But... I think we've got to be honest to say that's that is to some extent that is human nature. For instance, Moeen was very quick to say him and, and Adil, him and Rash are very, very close. And yeah. and it could be seen as a clique that they hang around together so much, but they don't see it that way. And they don't think it should be seen that way. But it is part of the dressing room culture that you find people who are like you. And that's those are the people you spend the most time with. Mm. It is. It's an interesting debate. Who's your like, you know, like for like then? Who, who's your clique at BT? Well, I don't, I don't know if I really have one. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, we have the little National League crew and I got on well with them because we're left out of, uh, of the, the spotlight a little bit. We can crack on with our own little crew and, and that, I quite like that. Amongst the ones that I work with on Champions League and, and the rest of it, I obviously get on very well with Steve McManaman because he's from my part of the world and, and we kind of see eye to eye on a few things. But they're, they're all... They're all good people. And I've, I've often been asked, like, are there not some that you've found a pain in the bum? And I haven't really, to be honest. I've had one or two where I thought, before I've worked with them, this could be tricky. Like Gordon Strachan, for instance, who actually turns out to be a great bloke. As a manager, he was quite hard to deal with, and he'd be the first to admit that. So when he came to work with me at ITV, I was a bit, oh, God, this could be tricky. But actually, he was, he was great. And obviously, Roy Keane is also someone that is slow to accept that you're not out to tuck him up. Mm. You know? once, <laughs> yeah. he, once he does accept that, He's good as gold. So yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't honestly say he or she, you know, are, are difficult to work with. They're not really. It's like most lines of work. You know, you get to know people. They turn out to be pretty nice people. This is good to know. It's good, good to hear. Know. Great to hear, Matt. We just um, we we were speaking about it off air a little bit earlier, but you've had quite an interesting 
18 months prior to getting back on the wagon with the Ashes. Uh, can you tell everyone a little bit about your experience in a different field, please? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I think like a lot of people, I was suddenly stuck. Um, where are we now? Not, not far off two years ago. So when it all came to a grinding halt in March of 2020, for a month or two, there was obviously no programmes to make, there was no games to go to, there was no work to be had. So I didn't know quite what to do with myself, really. I did, did a bit of DIY and that kind of stuff and, mm-hmm. and got in the way at home. And, and, and in a conversation with my wife, I thought, well, should I like try and find something useful to do? Um, and, and in a kind of slight fit of curiosity, applied to, to become a delivery driver for a couple of supermarkets. And Tesco gave me the opportunity. So go on, we'll come and train you. Yeah, I think they were a bit shocked when I turned up. And like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But then everyone accepted that was, why, why shouldn't you? And yeah, I've been doing it ever since. I can't do it very often, obviously, now that normal life has, has resumed. But, but my boss, as he is at Tesco, who's a great bloke, is very flexible. And I still enjoy it. So... I was out last night, actually. Got home from the cricket on, uh, actually, actually, the Italian football. It was a bit of a mad weekend. And then came <laughs> home late Sunday night. And, that, and then last night, I was out in my wagon. Around Congresville and, uh, and Macclesfield, dropping off uh, people shopping, which I, I do enjoy. I, I must say, I do enjoy. It's, um, yeah, it's a slice of real life, and that's, that's good for us all. That's great. That's outstanding. Love that. And you've got no intention, by the sounds of it, of kind of stopping. I know, obviously, like you said, schedule doesn't allow you to do it all the time. Mm. But you want to keep doing that, don't you? I enjoy it. Yeah, if I if I can do it, and and they're willing to be flexible around the day job, as it were, then then all to the good. So yeah, I I, uh, I wouldn't want to give it up unless circumstances prevented me from from doing it. It's not going to make me um, rich, but that's not why I do it. You know, mm. I do it to 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 basically get a bit of a window on the world around me, and and um, and that's yeah. hopefully a good thing. Well, we'll just hope that your boss is listening. You know, your Tesco boss, not the BT boss, obviously, just the <laughs> Tesco boss. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Oh, Matt, it's been really good to talk to you. I could have talked to you forever. Um, actually, oh, thanks, about, guys. About all nice sorts of stuff. And, um, yeah, okay. and good luck with that last test as well. Because, um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll near that end. And also the, the West Indies. So, um, you yeah. know, are, you, are you going out, Matt, to the West Indies? Are you going to be Still there? Still up in or? the air. I think, obviously, with COVID and the logistics that go with that, it, it looks more and more difficult to get out there and, and produce the output from the Caribbean, which is a, obviously a gutter for me. But it's the mm. next best thing is to sit and watch uh, with, as I've said, uh, folks that are becoming friends um, <laughs> and hopefully see some England wins. That would be nice. Yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll see you out there. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Top man. And uh, Pleasure, take boys. it easy. Nice to, uh, nice to chat. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Top well. man. Bobby Army. Bobby Podcast Network.